Hey, this is Disability After Dark, the podcast that shines a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The opinions, language, and discussion expressed in Disability After Dark may be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Do you want to keep the conversation lit around sex and disability? Want to spark a conversation about something you heard on the show? Feel like shining some light on an issue that I haven't even thought of? You can do all that and get the inside scoop on what happens in my brain after dark by following me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A. And be sure to use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark all over your social media so we can shine light on sex and disability together. Hey guys, as you're listening to the show, why don't you pop on over to my brand new shiny website, AndrewGerza.com. It's not quite ready, but if you head over there right now, you can sign up to be one of the first to find out what I'm doing around sex and disability. Stay tuned, guys. Hey guys, as you're listening to the show, why don't you pop on over to my brand new shiny website, andrewgerza.com. It's not quite ready, but if you head over there right now, you can sign up to be one of the first to find out what I'm doing around sex and disability. Stay tuned, guys. My name's Andrew Gerza, and I will be your scintillating sexy host as we laid up the conversation on sex and disability like never before, right here on Disability After Dark. Welcome to episode 5 of Disability After Dark. I'm excited that you're back listening to the program and wanting to shine a bright light on sex and disability with me. For this episode, I want to talk about the experiences I've had as a disabled person in the digital world, trying to access dating and what that is and what that feels like for me and some of the ways that I've been approached and categorized in the online world trying to access other people and why digitally dating as a disabled person is a really great thing because it brings us closer to other people who we may not have access to because of physical barriers, but also some of the pitfalls of being a disabled dater. And I really want to explore in this episode how dating digitally as a disabled person, say that five times fast, feels when you're trying to do it and trying to meet people and you're really not there to to just mess around. You really are using it as a platform to engage with people. And, and so I want to discuss kind of my experience as a, as a digitally disabled dater. So this is an episode that I'm calling Gimps on Grinder. I remember when I first started going online to look for dates and boys and sex and all those things. I remember how liberating it was because I could just point and click and I had access to a ton of different people and I was so, so excited to start doing that because I did want to, I did want to go out physically and go out to places and party. But I also knew some of the challenges being a disabled person and a wheelchair user it's not so easy to simply get around when it's minus 20 degrees Celsius or it's really cold outside. It's hard sometimes to get around or when accessibility is just not feasible, physical accessibility, digital accessibility seems like the next step. And so there's a lot, a big push in the disabled community for online dating. And there's a huge discussion of online dating when we talk about disability. Um, that's kind of how we navigate our dating world. There's been documentaries about online dating there's been all these things about how people with disabilities use these technologies to look for mates and look for partners and look for fun, sexy experiences. And, and it's kind of become how we 
communicate with you, with the, at least how I have come to communicate uh, my sexuality with the world. The internet is my job. The internet is how I became a disability awareness consultant. It's how I branded myself. It's where I started getting, um, getting offers to, to do work. And it's really how I've made myself into the brand that I am right now with Disability After Dark and Disability with Drew. It's really transformed how I do my work and it's transformed the opportunities for people with disabilities to be connected to everyone else. I can point and click and go anywhere in the world and talk to anybody about what I'm doing. And I think that's a great resource. And I think it's allowed for people with disabilities in many ways to become a lot freer in how we access one another. And we can find other disabled people. We can find other people that are interested in talking with us or learning about our stories. So I think the internet's really done a lot for us in terms of disability awareness and disability um, activism. It's really opened up those doors. But I think when we talk about dating digitally with a disability, I think there's a lot of other things that the internet kind of leaves lacking. And I want to kind of share some of my experiences as a disabled dater and, and how I've navigated that. Um, and, and really, I, I want to um, talk about how that feels. I, I'm going to kind of share some screenshots that I have uh, that I saved for when I do lectures because I'll share with, with often with audiences um, that come to my lectures. I'll share these experiences with them and show them on screen. This is what somebody actually said. So I'm going to verbalize some of those with you guys so you can hear what somebody actually wrote on screen when talking to me about my disability and show how hard it is to navigate these spaces. I remember I was talking to one guy online and we were chatting on one of the websites and I posted this on my Facebook because I was so surprised that this would that somebody would say this. They've been looking through my photos and I have a bunch of photos of myself on the internet. Um, if you look pretty much anywhere you can see any part of my body on the internet because I'm very liberal with the way I take photos and I do that because I want to show the lived experience of disability. So there are many, many pictures of me scattered throughout the internet for my branding and the work that I do. Um, I'm pretty much, if you type in my name, you'll see some part of my body on the computer. That's fine. So I have no problem sharing that. I think it's important to show pictures of disabled people on these social media sites and on these different platforms to to make people kind of kind of sit up and take notice of who we are and how we navigate the world and that we have bodies too and we want to be uh, experienced just in the same way. So I took a photo of myself, I can't remember exactly which one, but I, again, it could have been in a, a number of photos, but I took a picture and I guess in a particular photo, you can't really see that I'm sitting down, that I'm sexy and seated, if you will. You can't really see that. So I kind of, you can just, it's a, it's a headshot of me and you can just see kind of my neck up and I'm smiling and I'm doing all my stuff and I'm doing like a professional pose photo. So the person writes to me, you know, in this photo, you could never tell you have a disability and that is really, really sexy. Now, I remember when the guy said this to me, I was taken aback. I was immediately like, what did you just say? And I couldn't believe that those words had just come out of his mouth. I couldn't believe that he actually just said that me that me looking like I'm not in a chair isn't is sexy and looking like I don't have a disability is sexy. I was so upset because he just erased my he erased my existence. He erased who I am. He erased what it is that I do. He erased my reality 
And this picture made me look sexier to him because I didn't look like who I am. I didn't look disabled, and that was somehow better than looking disabled. Another quote that I received, I'll never forget this one. This one only happened about a year, almost two years ago now, two Christmases ago. And I was online just, just looking for, you know, whatever, just putting myself out there like I would normally do. And somebody posted to me and they said, you're cute, but you should come to the gym. We can get you out of your chair and work off the disability fat. Again, I was in shock and I was in awe that this person would say something so, just so, to be honest, it was, I was taken aback by how honest they were when they said that. And just how like, whoa, you could be, could you be any more blunt? Wow. Couldn't believe that somebody would say something like that because you think that me, by me going to the gym and looking a certain way and working out that somehow the, the, my body shape and my disability will, I'm not going to sweat away the disability pounds and sweat away my cerebral palsy. That's not something that's ever going to go away. That's never something that's going to disappear. And what you're saying is if I, is if I work out hard enough, maybe I'll get better. Maybe I'll be less disabled. Maybe I'll be less crippled. Maybe all those things will be less if I just work out just a little bit harder. And this, these kind of conversations happen to me all the time. People have told me in certain instances that I need to go for a massage because I'm, I look like I must need a massage. I look like my muscles must be all tight, which is all very well and true, but you're not going to massage out my spasticity. You're not going to make that stop. And so when people say these things, especially around body image online, it's really, really disconcerting. And I never quite know how to feel about it. I never quite know how to respond because I'm just so hurt that I'm just trying to put myself out there and I'm trying to make my mark and I'm trying to say something and, you know, be sexy and fun and cool in this arena and I'm being shamed for being who I am. And people really and truly assume that with a, with the snap of a finger or the lifting of a weight, my disability is going to somehow disappear. And that's just not true. I, I mean, I, I applaud anybody who goes to the gym and works out, but anybody who goes to the gym and works out with a disability should never be going there and never does go there hoping to think that their disability will be less than, will disappear if they go to the gym. That's not how, that's not how working out with a disability works. And when I work out, I work out to feel good about myself, not to, not to portray some, some ideal body um, that you want me to look like so that I can, can fit into your norms. That's not how I do it. And I don't think anybody with a disability who does work out should feel that way. Or be made to feel that way. I mean, this speaks to so many things on so many different levels. And it definitely talks to how we categorize the disabled body. And we don't know how to categorize it. We think that the disabled body is inherently sick and is inherently ill and needs to be made better. And so if I go to the gym, I'll somehow turn into this fantastic mesomorph who is no longer crippled. And that's just not true. And I think we need to start looking at how we talk about disability, especially in digital spaces, because when you talk about disability like that and say, oh, you should work off your disability fat, yeah, it's just a post, but it's out there in the world, in the world to see, and it's now digitally encoded into, into, you know, the internet, and people can find that and post and look for it, and it's there, and it influences how we think and categorize and discuss the disabled body. This next one is literally my most favorite one, my most favorite thing that somebody's ever once ever said to me online, and it's so it, I just can't. It's it's honest, so I thank him for that. 
but the way he talked to me was really kind of gross. But I love it just for how basic it is and how, how, just how he didn't know how to word it. So he just said, you know, here's what it is. And I don't like what he said at all, but I like that he was so direct because sometimes people aren't direct and they tippy toe around the issue and they don't tell you exactly what they want. So as annoying as this post is, and I think what this guy said is really wrong, and he's not right about any of what he says, and I'll elaborate in just a minute, but I think that when people are so direct, I think it's important because then I know you're not for me and that's okay. So this guy online, I, I messaged him on, on a, a gay sex website looking for sex or companionship or whatever it is that I was looking for at the time, and I said, you know, I want to connect with you. You're really good looking, and I'd love to spend some time with you, maybe see what happens. And I'm very, very forward online. I'm very, very direct about what I want. So when I say I like you, like I lay it out and it's just the truth. Um, and I tell people what I want because I don't have time for games. I don't play that. So when I'm online and I'm talking to a guy that I like, I lay out like, hey, let's hang out. You're kind of cool. Let's hang out. Um, and so this guy's response to me was, I said something like, hey, how are you? And he's like, I'm fine. Just to cut the small talk, I don't find you attractive. And in bed, I like guys that can take control, lift me, turn me around, fuck me up a wall, etc. So I don't think it would work. I appreciated how honest he was. Like I said, I really did appreciate that he was direct in what he was saying and that he didn't beat him around the bush. I think that what he said was really inaccurate. He doesn't know my abilities. He didn't ask my ability level. And the fact that he thinks that I'm a passive person just from seeing me in a chair and not even daring to ask me what my abilities are. Now, I am unable to climb somebody like a tree and fuck them like a porn star in the conventional ways. However, to assume that he couldn't fuck me up against the wall or get fucked up against the wall, that's totally possible if he just opened his mind. But what makes me so curious about posts like this and the ones that I previously talked about just now is that people feel they have a license to say these things online because they've, they're safely tucked away in their keyboard and they're safely removed from the realities and the feelings that are, that are associated with that. But when people say that stuff to me and type those things online, when I'm simply trying to connect with somebody, it's one of the most painful things that I've experienced trying to connect with people is when they're so honest about their prejudices around disability and their and their dislike of the disabled body and their their uncertainty. I think people forget that someone's actually reading this and someone's going to read what you're saying and be affected by what you're saying. One of the conversations that really happens for me as a gimp on Grindr, specifically on that app when I'm looking for sex or looking for companionship or just trying to connect with dudes and see what happens, you know? Um, so when I'm on that site, I get this question all of the time. And these sites are specifically designed for sex and for look, looking specifically for man-on-man -man sex, which I think is great. I think these sites allow us, again, to connect with our communities in a completely different way, and I think these sites are important, but I think that a lot of people on these sites, when they notice that I am disabled, and I'll talk about how I use these sites specifically in a minute, I'll share with you some of my profiles that I put out there in the world to show you how I navigate disability, but when they see that I am disabled, and they see that I, that I quite vocally discuss my disability in every single profile that I have ever created. My disability is 1,000% a part of that experience. They, the first question that I get from a lot of people is, hey, so I think you're really good looking, but I had one question. Now, right after they say that, I kind of pause in my head, 
and I smirk a little bit because I know exactly where the conversation is about to go. I know the question. I've heard it a million times before. I know what the question is. I've heard it. I know what, I know what they're about to say. And what they're about to say is, so my question is this, and they stammer and stutter, and they're not really sure of where to go next. They, they sometimes do dot, 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 and they're like, oh, I'm sorry if I've offended you, but I want to know this. And so typically their question is, can you get it up? Or can you get an erection? Or can you enjoy sex? I mean, and so then my next, my next plan of attack is to send them a dick picture where I'm having an erection to be like, look, there it is. There's my cock. It's erect. What do you think the answer to that question is? But it speaks again to a deeper, larger issue around sexuality and disability. By asking that, two things are happening. What makes you think that I, as a disabled person, have to disclose that information to you and have to tell you that? Why, why do you think that you can simply ask that of me and I'm going to just, oh yeah, I can get hard, oh, yeah, or no, I can't? Why is that something that we are so concerned about? Why is that something that we really want to hammer home? And why is, why is the erection the pinnacle of sexual expression for men? I think that's really problematic, and I think we need to reframe how we look at sexuality and disability in that in that sense. Thinking thinking of different ways to enjoy pleasure that don't end that don't start and end with a guy getting hard. I also love it when people start their conversations on these apps with something related to my disability. That's also my favorite. I had I've had a bunch of people start with, "Hey, bro, like so, uh, why in a chair, bro? What's your deal?" And it's like you know. Why would you start there? Like, I really dislike it when people start any kind of conversation with, why are you in a chair? That's just so base and like, yeah, my chair is a huge part of my life and it's a really fun, sexy part of my life. Cough, cough, nudge, nudge. But um, if you start with, yo, bro, why you in a wheelchair? It's like, well, why do I have to tell you that? Why would you think I'd want to disclose? And if you just read my profile a little bit deeper, you'd see that I probably did disclose that to you. And the fact that that's how you start without even an hello is really, really rude. And I just think that people forget that, like, I'm going to read that. And why do you think I would just respond? Why do you think that I would just so passively be like, yeah, I'm in a wheelchair because blah, blah, blah. Try it with, try it with hello and see where I might go after that. There's, there is a human being attached to this machine that you're typing words into. So think about that the next time you ask a really weird question around sex and disability. I was scrolling through to find some other examples of the ways that I've been treated online when I'm looking for connections or for sex or whatever it is I'm looking for. And I found one that I wanted to share that I found kind of disturbing but interesting in a really weird sort of way, so I want to share it with you. I was talking to this guy on a leather kink fetish site because I like going on there and um, playing with the idea of fetish and playing with the idea of disability. Not as a fetish, although I do think that people who have disabilities as, as one of their fetishes are cool, and I think that's okay in certain contexts, which I'll talk about in a whole other way later, don't worry. That's coming up on another episode. Um, but I was talking to this guy on a, on a leather site, and I, was, I said to him, and I often say, have you ever been with a disabled guy before? I lay it out very clearly so that I can kind of know what I'm getting into and the type of person I'm talking to, and just so I can understand how much work I have to do and how much emotional labor is required of me if I was to engage with this person further. So I said, have you ever been with a, have you ever been with a disabled guy before? And he said, 
Never. Well, actually, that's hard to say. I've been with some. And I said, okay. And he goes, you're sexy in leather. I like the hat on you. To be honest, and I probably would have to say this without judgment, it would be weird for me. I have a severely disabled brother. I would make a link somehow. I'm not sure how you assume that because one of your family members or one of your friends is disabled, therefore you'd make some weird sort of link. This has happened to me in my sex life a few times where I was with somebody and they mentioned uh, that they had a disabled relative or a disabled friend and somehow by being with me it would be like being with them and it was like, how do you understand disability? Are you so inept in how, in how human beings work that you assume that just because one person is sitting in a chair and I am sitting in a chair, we are the same person? So when he said this to me, I was just like, wow, you really don't seem to understand that me and your severely disabled brother are not the same person and the fact that you would make that link is kind of disturbing, and I, I, I just didn't respond. I kind of just left it open-ended. But this is something that he wrote, like, oh, yeah, well, if I'm, if I'm with you as a disabled person, then it's going to remind me of this other disabled person. And that's just not, that's just so not true, not true even in the least. Just as a quick side note, when I called out the guy who uh, mentioned to me that he wanted, he wouldn't sleep with me because I couldn't fuck him up against the wall, I must, I don't remember what I said in response to that, but the conversation continued where I was like, well, that's, I probably said something along the lines of, well, that's super, like, super ableist and holy fuck, like, don't, maybe don't say that, and that's really close-minded, and um, he responded back, well, you're the one on your profile who wrote that you wanted it to be straightforward, and you didn't want any BS, so I'm just telling you that I'm not attracted to you, and it doesn't mean that I'm close-minded, it just means that you're not my type. The way he was positioning disability, talking about how he wants to fuck me up against the wall and how I can't do certain things and how he's not willing to even entertain the idea that I could do other things, really fun other things, means that he is being close-minded. The kicker from this guy, though, the kicker was, and I'm seeing it now on screen here, the kicker was that he, he put, P.S., I work in disabilities. And I remember when I Facebook posted this about a year and a half ago when this happened, I said, Lasai, if he works in disabilities, whatever that even means, I'm scared of how he thinks of his clients. So, I mean, it just goes to show that, like, this guy works in disabilities, and you would assume then that he had a, uh, a certain way of thinking about disability, and he was supposed to be all-encompassing and inclusive, but when it comes to the inclusion of sex and disability, he couldn't wrap his head around it. So it just scared me to think about how if this guy worked in disabilities and he was saying this to me online, what does he really think about individuals with disabilities and, and how they should be treated, especially in, uh, he works in a vulnerable sector. So that's just scary to think that people actually think like that. For this episode, I asked some people online who I know to, to I asked them online, I posted a thing before I recorded this and asked them to tell me how they are navigate how they navigate the internet world as a disabled person and how people respond to them as a disabled person online and i wanted to get some real world examples of things that happen to people and things that people are told online and so i got a couple of responses that i want to share with you now just to show you how people with disabilities are treated when they enter a digital space i had one friend write 
he gets told all the time, hey, is that a temporary or permanent condition? As if him telling them that it's temporary somehow makes him closer to able-bodied than before, so therefore it's okay because he'll be back to, quote, normal soon enough. And if he says it's a permanent condition, I'm guessing the person that he is dealing with will have more questions related to his disability. And to assume that disability is a condition, something that can be fixed, when people say condition like that, it makes me so annoyed because it's like, why are you calling it my condition? Call it my disability. Call it what it is. Stop calling it my condition. Please don't call it that. Please, please don't call it my condition. It just makes me, it makes me feel othered, especially when you say that online. And that's probably one of the first posts that that individual gets when he's trying to, to access dating. And I just feel that it's a really, really offensive thing to ask. So, hey, is your ability to walk temporary or permanent? How would you feel being asked that question, especially online, when you're just looking to connect with somebody? And so this friend of mine says that he doesn't, he knows that people are curious and he knows the curiosity is healthy and it's okay, but he never feels comfortable asking it because typically that's how they ask right away and they'll ask that almost immediately and it throws him off. And I think it would throw any of us off. When I get a message on Grinder from a good looking guy and the first thing they say to me is, hey, so like what, what, what happened to you? It's like, well, whoa, nothing happened. I woke up and I wanted to talk to you, but now all of a sudden I don't want to. Like, geez. Why is it that you feel like it's okay that I that you have some permission to ask me that? It's almost like by thinking that you can simply ask me that, there's a hierarchical thing happening there, like I'm less than, and I'm supposed to submit your answer because you deserve to know. I believe that people deserve to know, but the way that it's asked is often so inappropriate and so vile that I would never answer. I would never want to answer. If I answer you about my disability in that way, you've earned that right. You have to earn that for me. I'm not going to just give that up because you feel like you deserve it. Most participants of my little impromptu survey when I asked how, how, how disabled people navigated spaces on the internet and how they were responded to when it came to dating, most of the responses said that people felt like they were alienated, people felt like it was rude, people felt like they weren't allowed to be themselves. Online, I had a friend who writes about her disability pretty openly and jokes about being disabled, much like I do. And so the person on her online profile wrote to her, well, how dare you joke about other people with disabilities? It's not very nice, and therefore you're not allowed to make jokes. And she said that it made her disability feel like it was a laughable thing, something simply to laugh off. And, um, and this was from a complete stranger who didn't know her and didn't know her relationship to disability. And so people feel really alienated trying to access these spaces. We have to remember that Digital spaces also need to be safe spaces for everybody. And I think people with disabilities bear the brunt of that when they try to access and own their sexuality in digital spaces. I certainly have felt that way many times. I wrote an article recently for Your Tango magazine where I talk about my experiences as a disabled dater and what it means for me to, to be in a digital space dating. And I talk about why I think the digital space is so important for people with disabilities and how it actually is very liberating for me. And I want to share an excerpt from that and let you know kind of my thoughts on why being a disabled dater in the digital world is important and why I love the fact that I can use those platforms to, to really own my identity. I want to share some excerpts from that. So give me just a minute. We'll do that now. Here's a little tiny excerpt from this article. 
thanks to technology, I can let you know from first click that I'm different from all the rest by showing you why my disability is one of my best features. Think about it. How many times have you scrolled through profiles, each with the same generic opener about how they're, quote, after something real or, quote, just want some fun, but nothing too complicated? Ugh, how many times have we all been there, right? And then they stumble onto my profile. I love creating profiles and being active on sites because by doing so, I'm able to own my identity as a queer disabled man who is overtly sexual. These two worlds that aren't ever supposed to come together, sexuality and disability, are melted together with nothing to hide. Every profile picture I choose tries to show my, my wheelchair, my body. This is so important because we need images that show the disabled body being sexualized. And these sites allow me to show you my scars, my scissored legs, and my curved spine as all parts of my package. Along with the images, I like playing with the text in my online profiles to discuss the delectability of my profile. I talk about my, quote, big joystick and how I need a sidekick or that I have my own wheels. I let my potential playmate know that I understand the fact that I may be their first crip lover, but that they'll not want anything else after that. These crips may be playful, yes, but they are extremely important to me. By writing it down in a text box for guys to see, read, and process, I continually remind myself that it's okay for me to be this way, queer, crippled, and confident in who I am and what I can offer in the bedroom. So, as you can see, I use the digital world as a way to navigate my own identity and navigate how I feel about my own identity. By putting it out there online for others to see, I feel like it's a very important medium and when even though people say these things to me and they say all these rude things to all of us, I don't think that any of us can forget that by putting it out there, we are creating changes in the way we look and talk about disability. And I'm so proud of what I've accomplished and what other people with disabilities have done to put their stories online and tell their truth and put it out there for people to see because it's so, so important. So the next time you're worried about going on a dating site as a disabled person, Put it out there and let it all hang out. Be digitally disabled and put it out there and, and just let people know that this is who you are and that's okay because you may be helping somebody else by doing that without even realizing it. And if you are one of those people out there who does not identify as being disabled and you point and click to try to find love, one of these times you might just point, click, and cripple. But don't worry, if you're lucky you can play with my joystick. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. Copyright notice. The Disability After Dark podcast, including title, graphic, content, interview recordings, and title music, are property of Andrew Gerza. This podcast cannot be reproduced without permission from the owner.